brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This show is supported by generous listeners like you through our Patreon. This episode was underwritten by the Tamsin G Association and Warrior Queen. To learn more about ways to support Oh My Dollar and get cool perks like exclusive live streams and cat stickers, you can visit ohmydollar.com slash support. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Carebake. I'm your other host, Will. So Will, as the show airs, as it is in people's ears, as it lands in people's ears, I will be in Japan. Cool. <laughs> and I am going to be staying in some pretty cool hotels. Like one of the hotels I'm staying in uh, is where all of the beds are actually uh, beds from actual first class train compartments. Oh, that's neat. Which I'm like, as a train nerd, I'm very excited about. Uh, and then I'm staying in like an actual like cool art capsule hotel. Uh, Very cool. I'm staying in a hotel where all of the staff are robots. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, like the people that check you in and everything are actually re- weird humanoid robots. Creepy, anyway, but okay. I'm staying in a I lot. that goes I'm, well for you. <laughs> I'm staying in a lot of weird hotels and I did not pay for any of those hotels myself. I got all of those hotels using points. So. You're a hacker. I am a travel hacker. <laughs> Which is uh, kind of a weird hobby. So quick shout out. If you want to see those hotels, you can go check out my tiny, tiny YouTube channel where I post videos every Monday. Uh, and I'm going to post some reviews and like walkthroughs of the weird hotels I'm going to be staying at, um, including just like a classic Japanese capsule hotel. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can go check out my YouTube channel, which cool. is youtube.com slash anomaly. I'll link to it in the show notes. So what really is travel hacking? I feel like you've mentioned it a couple times over a few episodes. We've never really kind of dug into it. Yeah. So we, we've talked about it briefly before on the show, but mostly what I said is, eh, it's a really complicated hobby and it's kind of hard for me to explain to you on the air. Well, two years after that initial episode aired, I figure maybe it's time for me to actually start to try to explain how I travel hack. So what travel hacking is, is specifically, it isn't just looking for cheap flights or, you know, being good at, uh, you know, finding mistake fares and stuff like Mm -hmm, that. Like mm -hmm. that is a form of getting cheap travel. And I'm also a fan of that. I'm actually flying to Japan uh, on a very cheap flight that I got because I'm I do a lot of alerts for cheap flights. So I'm doing five hundred dollars round trip to Japan, which is pretty awesome. That's a good deal, yeah. Um, but what travel hacking specifically refers to is the practice of using credit cards and rewards programs to get travel rewards. And these are usually specifically credit cards and bank accounts with like travel sign up bonuses in order to get travel rewards. And some people just casually do this, which wouldn't be described as travel hacking. This right, is just so they like, just happen to use the credit card. They just that's happen got to have a benefit. card. Yeah, they maybe have one. 
But then there's some people who like me who take it very seriously. <laughs> um, what I will say is that I am by no means an expert. I am someone who's been doing this for several years and I've gotten um, first class, you know, d- tickets in airplanes for $200 where they would have cost me $20,000 and I got mm-hmm. my own set of pajamas that I got to take home and a toiletry kit and a eight course meal served with white gloves in the plane. It was all crazy. And cool. So like I've done a lot of that. My big trans Siberian trip, um, I paid for mostly with uh, Chase Sapphire Reserve points, um, and I've posted the full budget of that on the website. So I've done a fair amount of this. Like I've probably gotten close to like eight or so free international flights using travel hacking. That being said, there are people that are way more intense into it than I am. <laughs> so I will do my best to kind of explain the basics of this hobby. First thing I'm going to say is that this is a hobby. The reason I keep using the word hobby is this is not like a casual thing. I'm not recommending <laughs> that you do this as um, something to just like dabble around with. I'm also not saying in any way this is a required part of financial wellness. This is literally like it's a hobby. I spend a little bit of money on it and I also get a lot of benefits out of it and it's something I do for fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, what I do like about it is I do think it 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 makes luxury travel like a great equalizer because if you're willing to play the game and monitor and play it, middle class and lower income people can actually have access to like flights to Hawaii like one of the big barriers for a lot of people with travel that are interested in it ends up being money and if you're willing to do this it is something that you can do to really make these cool travel experiences be accessible to you like there's no way I ever would have spent $20,000 on a plane ticket (laughs) right but but I got that experience um I have my own feelings about like the climate and why it was totally unreasonable for me to do that but um I yeah, all my airline miles. I'm just gonna say I'm 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 going to environmental hell. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What I will say is this: this is not for you if you're just starting out to build credit, and it's also not for you if you don't like keeping track of things or dealing with a bunch of applications. This is probably not the hobby for you. If you're the kind of person that uh, doesn't track their spending in some sort of way, this is not. This is just not the hobby for you. You probably won't enjoy it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it you you likely won't get a lot of the benefits for it right so it also tends to be pretty u.s based um i obviously i'm u.s based uh majority of our listeners are u.s based if you are canadian or uk there are different credit card hacking that you can do and i will link to two resources um for it but i know very little about it because obviously i'm not canadian or in the uk right so less topical to you (laughs) yeah but but this will give you a general idea of how this concept works so the way a lot of people just ask me is they see that i get these these travel perks and they're like okay what credit card should i get and what credit card do i sign up just so that i can get all of this and i'm like no it's not that easy so the way that that this works is that there's a couple different components so i'm going to focus on travel perks there's you can also do kind of credit card hacking to just get cash back or uh, general cash back or like, you know, some sort of rewards that you can use for like shopping and things like that. Um, or you can use them for like gas points and stuff. But I'm going to focus on the travel ones. So tra- travel, there's really kind of three general categories of things that you can focus on. There's these flexible points. Um, and these flexible points are often redeemable for a bunch of different kinds of travel. So it could be used for hotels, it can be used for planes, and it can usually be used for a lot of different partners. And then there's another kind of points which are tied, which are like free nights, and those are tied to hotels. Okay. And those are usually tied to different types of hotel chains. And then 
not quite last but least, but let's say last but least, there is directly tied to individual airlines. And those are going to be co-branded cards that are the Alaska cards, the Mm -hmm. Southwest card. The thing to understand about these cards is that they all have their own advantages, but they also all have their own rules about who can sign up. So usually to get into credit card hacking as a hobby, you need to make sure you have a credit score above, say, 720. Um, You need to have the best credit score in order to get these cards because these are considered premium cards. When you sign up, you are looking for cards that have a high sign-up bonus, but you have to know the relative valuation. So 50,000 Delta miles is very different than 50,000 Chase points. Um, And if you think about them only in terms of the point value, you're going to be totally lost out because they all can be used in different ways. Right, the points aren't necessarily a a standard unit of measurement. Yeah, they're not (laughs) a standard unit of measurement, and even miles are. Like, miles seems intuitive, (laughs) but it's not. So there's things to know about yourself when you're kind of thinking through what kind of card you want to get. If you're someone who does stay in a lot of hotels already and you already have a lot of alignment with a particular program, you might want to go for a program card. So like I have an Alaska card because I fly Alaska all the time yeah. um, because they're the biggest. They're, they have the most direct flights from Portland. I live in Portland. I fly Alaska constantly because of that. I have an Alaska card because those points are very valuable to me. I also think Alaska is a really valuable program. I actually use most of my Alaska points that I accrue not on Alaska Airlines because they have a lot of partners. So I've gotten free flights on Emirates to Dubai and uh, to Europe and things like that. So that's just my like hat tip for I love Alaska. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And they serve fear on all their flights going in and out of Portland. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> um, and, the, and the other things about, uh, about those individual programs is that's good, but you have to consider the next step, which is what the individual banking rules are. So in addition to figuring out your individual value and what kind of things you want, you also need to figure out, can you apply for this card? And if you do apply for this card, what the relative valuation is going to be. Mm-hmm. So... Once you do find a card, they're going to have different sign-up bonuses. One of the things to know about sign-up bonuses for individual cards is that usually when you sign up for the card, you either get instantly approved or you'll have to wait a bit and they'll like send it to you in the mail. When you get approved, you will then the clock will start and you usually have 90 days. Sometimes you have two months from the day that you get approved for the card to spend a minimum amount of money. Obviously, this hobby is only for you if you if you are going to be able to pay off your balance every month. Quite often, the minimum amount of money is you need to spend $1,000 or $2,000 or $3,000. Some of the higher cards can go up to uh, $4,000 or $5,000 within three months of opening the card. Oh, wow. If you miss that by a day or a dollar, you will not get those sign-up bonus points. Right. You got to do it like totally to the letter. Yeah. yeah. And they, they aren't keeping track of it for you. Yeah. <laughs> You're keeping track of it for yourself, which is why it's really important that you be organized with this. And we will get to, if you're like, oh my God, I don't spend $5,000 in three months. How will I do it? We will get to one of the ways to do that. Because obviously as someone who's very frugal and has pretty low expenses, I, there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of try to figure this out. Some are just figuring out how to time your purchases. Uh, and then one of the other things you can do is this thing called manufactured spending, which is very complicated. We're not going to get into it in the air. I will link to show notes. It changes constantly. Um, and that's essentially where you spend money that you then get back in cash. But <laughs> yeah. it's it's not money laundering, but it, it feels kind of close to it. So I don't necessarily recommend manufactured spend. So when you're trying to figure out how how to apply, um, 
for what kind of card to apply for, one thing you need to know are these kind of basic rules of credit card hacking. Remember how I said this was complicated, Will? Did you say it was complicated? It is complicated. So the big rule that you will see referred to constantly when you first start to dive into this is something called 524, otherwise known as the Chase 524 rule. Yeah. It is commonly called in the miles and points community. Even if you have a perfect credit score, it isn't enough to get you approved for many Chase Rewards cards. And one of the reasons this ends up being important is because a lot of the rewards programs are tied to Chase. Chase, as a bank, has a lot of these rewards cards. They also have these things called Chase Sapphire Points, which are very flexible points, which are good if you're someone that doesn't want to be tied to an individual airline or you're someone that doesn't want to get tied to an individual seat or blackout dates because a lot of those individual airline cards will have blackout dates for their own programs. Mm -hmm. But the Chase ones, you can just use for their portal, so they're great if you have a specific time or location that you want to go to. Cool. The Chase 524 rule says that if you've opened five or more new credit card accounts in the past 24 months, you will not be approved for a new Chase card. So this is super important if you start playing this game. If you uh, are under 524, meaning you've applied for less than five cards in the past 24 months, yeah. which generally when you're beginning out in this, you won't have. <laughs> right, because you just got yeah. a zillion credit and, cards and started paying them all off with each other or something. Yeah, the, the, I mean, <laughs> so I have, I, and I have more than I have hit 524, and that's because I regularly open new cards to get travel hacking bonuses, mm -hmm. which is why you want to do these Chase cards before you do other cards because Chase has these rules. Yeah. One really important thing to know is often you can get sign-up bonuses for adding an authorized user to your credit card, but Chase counts authorized user accounts As towards 524. Yes. Gotcha. So that is important. If you want to get those bonus points for adding an authorized user, wait until you're done applying for all of the cards that go under 524. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you're early in your process of travel hacking, you generally want to sign up for them. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you don't have a great credit score yet um, because you haven't, you know, taken out a lot of debt or because you're rebuilding your credit, usually you cannot get approved for some of these fancier Chase cards. Um, the two best starter cards I recommend if you're trying to just build your credit and get into the travel hacking game are usually the Chase Freedom card and the Discover It card. Um, and I don't recommend them because I get kickbacks on either of those. Um, what <laughs> I, The reason I recommend them is that they tend to have 
relatively low credit limit uh, credit limits on them, which means that there's like a low maximum that you can spend. And if you use them responsibly for several months to a year, you're going to build your credit file. If you choose the Chase Freedom, you're also going to build a credit file with Chase, which means you're more likely to get approved for those. Right. The Chase cards those you are Chase saying cards. were good. If you are a student, there's a Discover It student and a Capital One student card, um, and you almost always will get, be guaranteed to get approved, but you, you can also possibly get approved for that Chase Freedom. So yeah. those student cards. If you get denied for that, once you've you know applied for your first card, uh, you can. If you get denied, you it, it's not over. The game's not over. There's this line called a recon line or a reconsideration line, and you can call them and you can say, "Why wasn't I approved? Why don't you love me?" And sometimes they will say, "You've hit 524 or something yeah. like that." But they also might just say, "Oh, we don't have a lot of information about you," and you can say, "Would you approve me for a lower credit limit?" Um, or they'll ask you more information about like your income or documentation because they don't know about you. Uh, Chase in particular, and the reason I bring them up is because usually you'll do those early. Chase in particular, if you get to the recon line, it's usually pretty common that you can shift things around. Yeah. Once you get deeper into this, Often you will get rejected when you first apply for a card and you call the recon line and they just say, like, you already have so many cards with us. We don't want to extend you any more credit. And what you can do is you can move some of your credit limit from one card to the new card. So if you already have like $10,000 of an available credit limit at Chase and you apply for a new Chase card, you can say, hey, can I move $5,000 of that to the new card? And this isn't me moving $5,000 I owe them. This is just the possibility that I could owe up to them. And that's because they don't want to double the amount of money that I could borrow from them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, because they're trying to recoup their credit they extend (laughs) yeah exactly the chase cards are ink preferred chase sapphire preferred and chase sapphire reserve Uh. um and the ink preferred is a business card however if you have any side gig at all um that you have any 1099 income for you are a business and you can apply for a business card oh cool so um that's kind of important to know um so there is a flow chart that walks you through, if you haven't hit 524, what you should do. Um, they It is from the churning subreddit. I'm not going to say it's beautiful because this is a complicated hobby, but I will link to it in the show notes as kind of a flow chart to help you figure out what they are. Or scare you away from this as a hobby. <laughs> yeah, or scare you away from this as a hobby. So if you are considering doing this, Figure out if you're under 524, then figure out if you want the Southwest Companion Pass. So Southwest has a very particular thing called the Southwest Companion Pass that actually allows someone to fly for free with you mm-hmm. if once you hit a certain amount of minimum spend um, and a certain amount of points on that card. And you it is tied to a particular card. So if you are, but it is a, uh, the Southwest card falls under 524. And so you want to do it early with those other chase cards. Uh and if you don't want that, so like I don't fly Southwest very often, it doesn't go to most of the places I go to. So the companion pass is not that valuable to me. This right. is where it is helpful to know that. Right. To know what you're specifically after with this goal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So um, once you've kind of figured out what kind of card you want to do, I told you this was complicated. This is so hard to explain on the air. So I'm going to have very detailed show notes for this. Um once you figure out you want to do that, you want to hit the minimum spend. So what I recommend is the very first time you do a card that you're trying to do for travel hacking, just do one. Yep, that makes sense. <laughs> just do one, track that minimum spend, make sure you can do it, make sure you can hit it. Um, 
The other thing that I recommend is to not sit on too many points. So I know a lot of people who like to brag about like, I have a million frequent flyer miles. Here's the thing. These programs constantly get revised and updated. And usually when they get revised and updated, your points only get less valuable. (laughs) They rarely make them more valuable. They almost are constantly doing devaluations. The good news is they usually announce those devaluations pretty far out in advance. So if you are keeping your finger on the pulse of these things, you will know if your points are going to get devalued. The downside is if Delta, for example, they're constantly devaluing their points. And the Delta Sky Miles, if a new devaluation gets announced, then suddenly there's a rush of people trying to use their tickets and you're going to hit all those blackout Mm -hmm. dates and all of those seats are going to fill up. Oh, that's interesting. So it's very important to know that. One of the things, if you're looking for doing premium tickets, so if you're really interested in doing um, premium international tickets, so you want to fly in business class to, you know, New Zealand or something, which would be a $6,000 or $10,000 ticket normally, the best value you're usually going to get, you're going to want to actually want something tied to an individual airline. Because those flexible points tickets, like the Chase ones that I mentioned, they're great because they don't tend to have blackout dates, but they correspond to the value of the ticket. So they're not good for those premium tickets. Those are much better if you can convert those into a zone-based value. So a zone-based value says like, it costs 60,000 of our points in order to get a one-way business class ticket between zone one, which would be the US, and zone nine, which would be Southeast Asia, right? Okay. Um, and these are these complicated charts. And if you want to find them, all you have to do is Google up, Google the reward system and then say award chart and you'll be able to find these these complicated charts these very complicated (laughs) charts but it's very helpful to know so i rarely apply for a card without knowing what trip i want to tie it to so i just uh got ninety thousand chase points uh for the chase inc card for my business and i know that i'm going to spend that on an australian um Australian ticket and the reason I'm doing that is because Australian tickets are one of those things that it didn't make a lot of sense to be able to do it from the flexible portal but those chase points I can convert convert to Chris Flyer so here's the other thing even all of these points so Alaska is a great example they have what are called partner award partners so when you find an individual airline you could also look up what their award partner charts are and usually you can take your miles and convert them for an award partner I like Alaska because you can actually shop their award partners on their own website but a lot of these you need to actually take your points transfer them and there's this terrifying 24 to 72 hour period where you're points disappear from one account and don't appear in the new one and you have to just be like i hope i didn't lose my seventy thousand points yeah i've signed up bonus <laughs> um, That'd be a bummer. and so you you want to do research on this a lot of people generally are like what has the best sign up bonus the thing is these change constantly they change all of the time so whatever you say is going to be out of date Whatever I say is going to be totally out of date. So what I use is I use this giant crowdsource spreadsheet (laughs) that everybody used. I will link to it in the show notes. It's uh, essentially all the people that do this as a hobby crowd fuel what the best current offer is, what the best offer has ever been for that card, and what the minimum spends are and everything in this massive crowdsourced thing. Um, But what's important is to know if they are 524 or anything like that. I know a lot of people hear this and go like, oh, my God, but isn't applying for these cards going to hurt my credit so much? Probably. 
Actually, no. No? <laughs> no. So generally, your credit will improve with this kind of hobby over the long term because you're going to have more and more available credit. Mm -hmm. So as long as you pay it off every month, so I'm a big fan, I always pay mine off before my statement balance date so it gets reported as $0, which means my credit utilization is very low. Utilization, how much of your credit that's available to you that you're using is a part of your score. So I report as using 0% of my available $40,000 available credit. I, I, think oh, at, okay, yeah. I think at this point I have like $100,000 between all of my cards available credit to me. I charge about $500 a month on generally on a card and I pay it off before my statement balance date. So I have zero or 1% utilization. Um, and that is good Which for is you. one of the key things that they're looking at in Remember, credit scores. Remember, this right? whole yeah. credit game is one, they have a couple goals. One is that they don't want you to pay off your bill every single month and they want you to pay interest and they want to make money off you. The other is that they don't want you to keep track and they want to charge you an annual fee mm -hmm. because you don't cancel a card after a year. And three, they want you to use their card and they want, they the whole point of the credit system is to benefit lenders. It's not meant to benefit you. Right. And it's meant to say, are you a good risk for lending money to? But obviously, if you're someone who's taking a lot, a lot of different credit instruments, they like you as long as you <laughs> as, yeah, as long, long as you're, you're not them. running yeah. running out on their uh, on their bill so um remember this whole credit system kind of feeds into each other all right so if you're like oh my god i'm already overwhelmed here are the basic steps for getting this set up first step set up accounts with all of the possible rewards programs even ones you might not use so there's kind of a full list of a bunch of those award programs this is where i really recommend please use a password manager yeah always <laughs> The reason you want to set up your own airline and hotel accounts is that you should go to the company website and create those loyalty accounts first. Um, you might get a better offer. Often you can get a sign-up promotion for those credit cards when you apply for the loyalty card. Um, the other thing is you want to apply your loyalty account number as part of the credit card application so that it's always tied. Um, you don't want them to end up with them creating multiple loyalty accounts for you, which does happen, and then it's like a mess. Gets and you, confused, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is that some credit card offers are only for existing members. <laughs> so you just want to do that. You want to create accounts in all the different password managers. Oh, so you've already got an existing account. I already got an existing account out. before you do it. If you're the sort of person who doesn't like to do research, then you can just apply for a single card with a sign-up offer you like. So I would recommend that you stick to the cashback or fixed value cards. Um, if you don't want to do this as a hobby, just find one of those cashback cards, like the Chase Freedom or something like that. Apply for it. There you go. Done. <laughs> yeah. Find the sign-up bonus that you like. You know, look for the current offers chart and find it. Then... If once you're trying to hit that minimum spend, you're like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to spend? I, you know, I spend less than than a thousand dollars per month and I need to spend three thousand dollars in 90 days. A couple different things you can do. One, prepay expenses. So um, if you've got tuition fees coming up, if you've got uh, you, uh, you know, have kids summer camps, you can prepay large expenses. If you need to buy any equipment for work, so I always try to plan the big sign-up bonus cards when I need to replace a laptop or camera equipment, any sort of large equipments. Um, I I prepay um, on an annual basis so that I save money all of my business expenses. So I also try to do it before the end of the tax year. So I will pay annual fee subscriptions for all of my like business expenses, like my software and things like that. All oh, so at you once. can just sort of knock all those out. Knock all those out at once. And pay them so, off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as long as you have that money available then i not only save money on them but i also can use that towards the annual fee another thing you can do is if you have a trusted friend very trusted friend um, that does have a lot of expenses you could have them uh put expenses on your card and then pay them back 
I have done that uh, occasionally, like when my partner has to book a lot of very expensive hotels. I'm like, can you book that $1,400 hotel stay on this card <laughs> for me and then uh, pay me back because I need that to hit my minimum spend. If you are like, oh my gosh, there's still no way I can hit it. One of the things I do is I pay a slight cost. Like I said, this is a hobby that cost me a tiny bit of money. I actually pay my rent via credit card on the months that I need to hit a minimum spend. Mm -hmm. So I use this website called Plastique. You can also use something like Venmo and pay the extra fee. Oh, uh, um, right. You take pay like that 2% hit or whatever. Yeah, to pay by credit card. And so usually you can get the transaction fee to be less than 2.75%. But if that's going to mean the difference between me and 90,000 miles, which I can use for a $20,000 ticket, that $30 I pay per month to pay my rent on the card is worth it to me. You can also set up your student loans and things like that to be paid auto pay on that credit card. The big thing is make sure you keep track of which cards you're using for which recurring expenses if you're doing this. Yeah, yeah. this all seems like a really good way to shoot yourself in the foot if you're not paying yeah. attention. This is why, like I said, this is not a hobby for the disorganized. And it's totally fine if this isn't the hobby for you. Uh, but when people say like, oh, I just want to apply for card and get points, I say, yeah, just find a nice cashback card, you know, find one good sign up bonus, try it once. I do think they're really fun, but you do have to keep a really good eye on it. Yeah. So you will get a temporary ding for a new um, a ding, which is 10, a five to 15 point um, slight dip in your credit score for applying for new credit. And that's true for everybody. When you go out and apply for new credit, you'll get a slight ding. You're a uh, um, your credit will recover within 90 days. That's just a temporary ding because they don't want you to go out and apply for a bunch of new credit at the time. This is by no means a comprehensive <laughs> general <laughs> thing, but hopefully this kind of got you the basic starters of what travel hacking looks like. The big things is that you want to know what you're going to use it for. Are you looking for an international trip? Are you looking for a hotel stay? And then you want to strategize around that. And then you need to realize that... Uh, some of those cards you can only apply for once and you've got to apply for them in a certain order. And so be aware of where you're at on that. Last but not least, make sure you monitor your credit while you're doing all of this. This is something where you very much do want to monitor your credit and keep an eye out. If you have a card already, please keep your oldest card open because that is going to lengthen the average age of accounts. Remember, mm -hmm. you're going to drop your average age, age of accounts, which does have an impact on your credit every time you have a new, shorter credit line. So that is important to know. If at the end of the year, because uh, often the annual fee for a card is waived for the first year, Mm -hmm. But then it'll occur uh, common for rewards cards is a 50 or $75 fee on the higher end cards like the Chase Sapphire Reserve, which has a $450 annual fee, which is sounds crazy high, but you also get $300 a year you can use towards travel. So it's effectively an $150 one. Right. But you also get like lounge access and stuff like that. And so it, it ends up making sense for people that travel a lot. The big thing is if it's waived for the first year. Keep an eye on it. Make the decision. Do you want to close that account or not? Do Is it worth that extra fee to you? If it isn't and you don't want to close the account, what you can do is call and ask for a product change to a no-fee card. And a product change means they'll leave the same line of credit open, which means it'll continue to age on your credit score. But you will downgrade to a card that has no annual fee. You might get less perks, but you're going to be able to keep that line of credit open and you won't have to pay the annual fee. And you've already gotten the sign-up bonus, hopefully. Wow. So.
Uh, anyway, my the, eyes glazed over a little bit there. I know <laughs> it sounds complicated, and it is complicated. I do want to scare you off from this. Um, I'm saying it's such a fun hobby. If you're like into spreadsheets, you like to get free travel. I'll post um, links. the results sound excellent. Uh, yeah, um, it, it, but it isn't. It isn't for the faint of heart. Um, the other thing is like, in addition to not being for someone who's building their credit and just getting started, it's also on the other side. It's not good if you're thinking about applying for a big loan with in the next like six months to one year right because so, like you said you're going to take your average card length down and yeah, take those yeah. things from you'll, applying for multiple you'll cards suffer a small hit on your credit in the short term and so if you're doing something like uh, applying for a mortgage for example just a couple you know 20 points in your credit score can make a huge difference on what interest rate you get offered for your mortgage mm-hmm. and that can be tens of thousands even hundreds of thousands of dollars over the life of your mortgage depending on how big it is so you really want to lock in your credit score at the highest rate possible right before you apply for a mortgage. And so you don't want to do something where you're applying for a lot of new credit, right? Yeah. Uh, because it makes them nervous because they're like, why are you applying for all yeah. this credit? <laughs> Is something wrong? So that's just another thing to bear in mind. But, you know, once you've done the mortgage, hey... Once, once you've got that house and you've got the mortgage, paying property tax on a credit card is an excellent way to hit a minimum spend. <laughs> yep, yep, that makes sense. So then you can get into the hobby. I hope this was helpful. I hope this wasn't too overwhelming for folks. Will, are you excited or are you just like totally scared off uh, now? I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> uh, I will link to resources in the show notes. Um, I'm not a huge fan generally of Reddit, but the subreddit for uh, the churning uh, community, which is another term for travel hacking, is actually really helpful. And so I will link to a bunch of things in the show notes, including the updated spreadsheet of the best current offer for sign up bonuses. And I will link to the spreadsheet that walks through the flow chart of uh, if you've hit 524 or not. Cool. And I'll be someone's travel companion versus. <laughs> yeah. I'll be that plus. I one. actually have an Alaska <laughs> companion pass. You want to come somewhere with me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to Alaska soon. Uh, Alaska Airlines doesn't just go to Alaska like it seems like they should. It's true. And they also <laughs> bought Virgin now, so they they own Virgin. Anyway, if this sounds too complicated for you, you know Don't what you can it. do? You know what you can do? <laughs> you can a plane ticket like follow cheap else. airfares and <laughs> yeah. mistake fares and stay away from this whole thing uh, and just walk away slowly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. That's totally valid. Yeah. All right. That wraps our show for today. We love hearing from you. Email us your favorite travel successes. If you've done credit card hacking or if you have horror stories. Or failures, yeah. Yeah, it all come crashing down. Uh, To questions at ohmydollar.com or tweet us at Anomalily or at ohmydollar. Our producer is Will Romy. Yep. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki and your host has been your host and personal financial and your host and personal financial edic yeah. <laughs> Just stay the whole thing. And your host and personal <laughs> finance educator is Lillian Kerbake. Thanks for listening and until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. And check your credit score. <laughs>